All right, I'm ready. Um, no. Ah, much better. Now, get ready for an uncivilized discussion about faith. Welcome Welcome to the the Barbarian Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. You know, I was making a promise to all of you is that I would be at the conference down in Oklahoma. I've left my high perch of the Rocky Mountains and slid myself all the way down here to Oklahoma. And I'm joined today by none other than Megan Schaefer, who I met a couple of years ago. And uh, I'm just going to promise you a couple of things. You're going to hear a lot of racket in the background because we are up on a uh, the side of a building in Oklahoma looking out over the beautiful lights. But the truth of the matter is there is a complete insanity going on in the street down there. Right, Megan? Absolutely, brother. And so that's the fun part of doing live shows once in a while. So, <clears throat> Megan, where are you from? I am from Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Oh. How, how the heck did you, did you end up growing up there? I actually did not uh, grow up in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. I grew up in the Hazleton area, which is coal country, which is east of Bloomsburg. Yeah. So how did you end up moving down there? Your husband or? Yes. So how long you been married? My, well, my first marriage was for 11 years. Mm-hmm. And my, I'm remarried. Okay. And David and I just celebrated our fourth wedding anniversary. Well, that congratulations. Thank you. And uh, and I know that you just turned like 24, so all that's hard for me to believe, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, so a couple of quick questions. You are a, have you been ordained as a pastor yet? No, I have not. I'm actually waiting for approval, and my approval is coming up in October. Okay. So what does that end up looking like? I mean, how do we get to a point where you get agreed upon for ordination? How does that work in a Lutheran church? Sure. So what happens is, um, you know, I'll do quick part of it is, you know, when you acknowledge your call from God, and you go and speak to your elders in the church. You go to speak to the pastors. You go to speak to possibly, you know, your area assistants. Um, we call them deans. Right. And, you know, you get to sit down and have a, a conversation about what it, what it is like for you to be called. Right. And then from there, you, um, we have a, a, a side-by-side process where you're doing seminary. And you're also doing the call right. through candidacy. And so you go through what's called an entrance interview. And here in the NALC, it's awesome. They love to sit down with you, to talk with you, to get to know you, to hear your faith story and how you've come to faith and where you are currently. Right. Because it's amazing that once you get to the approval process, you get to reflect back. Right. And you get to go ahead and see how much you have been formed by the gospel, how much you've been formed by the process, right. and how much you have, you know, ultimately changed through through the whole process. And oh. it's awesome. But then you go to the second step after you get so many credits done in seminary, mm-hmm. and that is called endorsement. And endorsement then is preparation and approval for you to go out on uh, internship. And some people do internships, um, some don't. And the people who don't do internships may already have a position, you know, full-time position in a church. 
Right. So, and you'd go out you'd, in, on an internship, and really we're kind of working on that word. Right. So, on the term intern? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because really it's it's not a church-associated word. It's not a... No, it's it, not. It doesn't really speak to the gospel. No. It doesn't speak to what we're all about. Right. So when we actually refer to it as a vicarage, yeah. which a vicar, if you're not familiar, is one who serves in place of... Right. And so a vicarage would then be a time for us to go ahead and have, you know, formation of what it is like to actually be in in an active congregation and actively leading. Right. And, and or, you know, stepping up next to a, a ordained pastor and learning from them. It's a great time of mentorship and a lot of time to experiment. But once you've completed your vicarage, mm-hmm. then you go on to possibly either either continuing some furthering classes, or you can go ahead and go right to the approval interviews. Nice. Yeah, and it's it's what is really nice here is mm-hmm. that we get to go ahead and have these conversations, and again reflect on on what those initial conversations were and how much we have changed. In, right. in the meantime. So, so uh, now you're allowed to serve in a church at that point. Are you preaching from the pulpit? Do you uh, give communion? How does this on, look? On vicarage? Yeah. So right now, uh, even though I'm not currently actively serving in a church, mm-hmm. I am supply rostering. Right. And so we do use... And supply rostering means... Because bear in mind, sure. we've got a lot of people that don't don't know these terminologies. Sure. To supply roster means that I have permission from my deans to go ahead and to go into congregations where a pastor may not necessarily be present. Right. Sometimes a pastor, you know, needs a Sunday off. Right. And they're right. still going to be there, but I would actually then step up to take a leadership role mm-hmm. in the divine service. Right. And then I would also be going ahead, and we do what's called an extended distribution or distribution of communion in special circumstances. Right, right. And another word for that is called deacon. Mass. Correct. So we, we do that. So I'm not actively consecrating. I'm already using pre-consecrated Good. element. Right. And I am then distributing it. Excellent. And and sharing sharing the word of God and sharing God's grace and, and forgiveness with the people. Right. And you know, getting to do all that. So it's awesome. I, I love I love those opportunities. I get to see lots of different uh, I get to see lots of Sorry about that. That's all right. God bless. <laughs> so I, I get to see lots of different congregations. I get to meet a lot of different people. And it helps me also then to understand and to kind of really pray about, you know, where is God calling me? Right. Where do I feel that I would be the best fit in a pastoral role and what type of community? Hold on a sec. We'll let that guy roll by. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah. So it's... it's wow, what was that? <laughs> so you, uh, <coughs> but you get to go ahead and um, serve in many different congregations. Mm-hmm. So it got kind of gives you a whole healthy look at how to serve in a church with a lot of different people. Yeah, I get to I get to serve in in churches that are different sizes, right? Different styles of worship, right? So and it's it really gives me a. a broad understanding and it's it's truly a gift plus i get to help out the church in the meantime and i get to still be you know it, it's a great vocation right you know at, at while i'm awaiting for approval so when you roll into any of these churches mm-hmm. you 
you sometimes are just there on Sunday, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of them that you end up being in for a few weeks, few months. Um, not in this capacity. Okay. So let's provide some clarification for that because okay. usually with this is I'm, you know, I, I'm not necessarily an interim. An mm-hmm. interim may tend to be there for longer duration. Yeah, nine, uh, usually about 90 days to 180 days. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is just, you know, maybe they need help, you know, once a month. Right. You know, maybe it's every couple of weeks. Right, right. On a particular Sunday. I I get it. I I went in to serve for one time and have been there for two and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to preach that one time. So I get that part, man. So uh, so when you're when you're doing those type of things, when you're stepping out, Mm -hmm. uh, how does that affect your family? I mean, how, how old are your kids? Well, I have five children. Mm-hmm. They um, basically are all teenagers. I have a 19-year-old son named Ben. He's in college. Right. And he's awesome. He's a bright young man. Mm-hmm. He's very quiet and reserved. But when you get him on, you know, talking about something he enjoys, he will open up. Excellent. He's a, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. And then I have a 16-year-old son named Tommy. Okay. Tommy's currently becoming a pilot. Wow. Yeah, he's not even getting his driver's license. He just decided that that's, you know, too low for him. Yeah. He's got to yeah. retire. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And then I have a 16-year-old daughter named Kieran, mm-hmm. and Kieran is actually uh, looking at engineering, and we're looking at, at uh, schools for engineering right now. Wow. So big step for mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Right, so, right. And then I have a beautiful 14-year-old daughter named Sadie, who's a very talented musician and singer. She's and she's absolutely stunning. She's just so beautiful. And then I have this amazingly bright little guy named Ian. He's eleven. Right. And he is just—he's a whip. He—he he will keep keep you on your toes. Awesome. Bright little man. So, so, but, so how do they deal with you being in the church? They, um, all of them have their own, you know, different ways of doing it. Ben and Tommy. I mean, they're older, so they're they're okay with everything. Right. And their grandfather. Was a pastor, and their aunt was a pastor. Right. So you know they they understand it. So I have that support, and that immediate you know understanding there. Right. Um, and then you know the kids, the kids love it. Kieran, Kieran actively steps up and leads. So does Sadie. Ian is um, he tends to add to the sermons. Oh, well, so, that's yeah. interesting. But sometimes they go with me. Sometimes right. they don't. Sometimes right. they stay at home. But really, a lot of times while I was out on my vicarage, my children actually had their home congregation and their minister. Oh, nice. Which is really important for the children because for them to have their own minister, that's great. But I'm still pastor mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So my, my husband's very supportive of it. You know, if there's something going on with the kids on Sundays, you know, my, my daughter's serving in a church somewhere. Right. You know, Run her back and forth and go and attend church with her, you know, nice. at their home congregation. And that that was going to be my question. How how does this affect your marriage? Do you think that it just uh, uh, because they're coming from a pastoral end? Yeah. There's a lot of times we are we are sinking in some hours that on occasion, uh, <laughs> yes. I'll notice something pulling on the back of my shirt. And notice it's Christy. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, "Hey, you remember you're married to this gal over here," and that yeah. that can become very there's, difficult. There's definitely a vocation and marriage balance. I mean, we have the vocation to our ministries, but we also have that vocation to our marriages, right? And for David and I, um, when I acknowledged my call, 
Right. David David looked at me and said, "Okay, let's do this." Right. How can I best help you and what do you need to what do I what do I need to do to help you initially? Right. So he's been my biggest cheerleader. Right. As, and, as it and should be. When I you know was actively in seminary and, and doing those midterms and finals, he would say, "Okay, what's when's this happening?" Right. And he would just scoop the kids up. He would leave the house. He'd take them elsewhere, and he would definitely help me out with that. So that was great. But David and I also, he understands because he has his ministry, and that is to, he's a scoutmaster. Oh, so I see. scouting takes him out of the house. Oh, you so bet it does. For as much as I support him when he's not home, he also then turns around and says, well, you know, this is your ministry. And being a pastor's kid, he understands that there's times where, you know, if I have someone who's in hospice, right? you know, and we are coming to those last hours, I will say to him, okay, I'm on call. Mm-hmm. And he knows that when I say, I got to go. Yeah, you got to go. He understands. Right. And, you know, he's under, he's, he's understanding it because he's seen me do it. Right. You know, he and he he gets it, and I'm I'm very lucky for that. But there are times that we have to, you know, just say, okay, I I'm not available, and we have to be okay with, you know, we don't saying need to no. be that. Yeah, we have to be okay with saying no. We right. we're not the end all be all. Right. You know? Yeah, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's not us. Amen. That's that's God the Father. Amen. And that's Holy Spirit. Amen. He's the one that is taking care. They, you know, the the Godhead is who takes care of you all the time. Mm-hmm. We. The pastor's just uh, there as much as they can be. Yeah. And this so the, this next step is new territory for us as we're starting the, the contemplation of the call process, as we're getting to approval, mm-hmm. and we're, we're getting to that place where we're possibly going to start talking to congregations, having those formal interviews. Right. You know, and, and doing all that. So this is, this is new territory for he and I, but we've been able to kind of have conversations after visiting these churches right. that I'm supplying at, that right. there may not be an active pastor or a call pastor. Right. And he and I are able to then talk as a couple and discern where we feel called. Right. You know, where what feels good. What? Where do you of, think that you can truly serve and, yes. and help yeah, we, it grow yeah. and change? Because, yeah. you know, it's not just a job. No, it's not. You know, this is uh, most people don't realize that. I have people tell me all the time they want to be a pastor. I'm like, no, you don't. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I, I think I'm called to be a pastor. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not. And they say, why is that? I said, because any time a pastor is called, the first thing he tells God is, no, no way. <laughs> I don't want to be called. And if you're telling me that you woke up and said, yes, I want to be a pastor, I'm telling you, you're going to crash your life, yeah. man. Yeah, I, I ran. I, oh. I ran. That makes two of us. There was no way I was going to Nineveh. Yeah. I was not going to no. Nineveh. Because I don't think people realize what happens. And the funny thing is, is when we do have people that uh, that jump off, I, and I've had some brothers here in recent days, and they've texted me, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, how's it going? I, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't want to do this. I want to bail on this. I'm like, no, you got to stick with it, man. Now you're in. And, and we all have tough days. Oh, heck yeah. And I, ha- I you know, I was just talking about this at, at dinner tonight with some of our, our peers, mm-hmm. and... I have to say that for every one bad day that I have, I have got to have like 60. Oh, yeah. Days. Yeah, yeah. You know? I would and totally it's, it's agree. Seeing the Lord moving, it, it's seeing where He is starting to reveal what He wants for His kingdom. Right. And then to just go, oh, wow. 
I would never have even expected that, guessed that, like even ever thought about that. Right. Harley Davidson. Yeah. That's what we love when they roll by. So let me ask you a couple other quick things. Sure. I'm going to ask you, this is going to be a tough one. Okay. Have you run into much uh, for problems being a woman pastor? Because, you know, that is one thing I've always scratched my head since I've come into Christianity mm-hmm. is when you, yeah. I hear people say, well, women are not supposed to be pastors. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to preach. And mm-hmm. I, I think there's some misinterpretation of some things there. But I want to know how you have been treated as a, as a uh, six-foot-two uh, female <laughs> pastor. If people are are people a little afraid of you on occasion? <laughs> so how have I been treated? Uh, that's that's a, a great question. I have had people who are fully embracing of women in ministry, right? But then I've had other people who you know are are coming up and and using the epistles. You know, and and talking about that women should be silent in church. Women should not have authority over men. Okay. And I think it really comes down to truly understanding the context that Paul, you know, was 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 uh, writing that uh, underst- letter in. Right, understanding who and, he's writing it to and what is going on yeah, in the situation. Because those letters were written to a specific people. Yep. In a specific time. Yep. In a specific place. Yep. With very specific issues going on Absolutely. in their community that was directly being pointed at women. There were charlatans out there who were taking advantage of women and and giving them the false gospel of Christ. Right. And then they were leading them astray, and then these women were going to the temples and. Well, you you, know, you got to understand is that some of them guys had married some women out of those temples, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a thousand prostitute mm-hmm. priestess there, and those women were used to being in power and control. And that's one of the other things we have to take a look at all of Corinth. And I'm not going to bail into a teaching on that, okay? Because I, I can do a teaching on that, at which uh, when it's done, you go, oh, that that's why he addressed yeah. this. But we do have a tendency to take the epistles and have them override everything else in yeah. Scripture. And usually what I see with people is they like to, uh, I can manipulate Scripture to make it say anything I want. Exactly. And um, so I, I can just tell you from me, I've never, I've never really understood that since I came into Christianity. I kind of scratched my head, well, is that an issue? And I, mm-hmm. But, you know, also I went through a very good Bible college that really, uh, before we even read Corinthians, we had done right. like about a month-long study on Corinth, mm-hmm. how it existed, who the people were, what was going on. So when we read the letter, we went, oh, yeah, I can see what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So that becomes and, different. And having having that background then helps people to understand it. And going back to the question that you asked, is right. have I encountered people who have not exactly been fans of women in ministry? Yes, absolutely, I have. I've actually encountered more women yeah, it's usually, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Because most of them, I can tell you right now, is I've had more females uh, question me on where my stance is on mm-hmm. that than I have males. Yeah. I, males usually just have a, have an opinion. Yeah. But, but I've had women that have been fairly aggressive in and, that. And for me, I am comfortable enough understanding mm-hmm. that someone else may have more than just those few lines right. in the Bible as a reason why that they are 
not comfortable with women in the pulpit. They're not comfortable with that. Maybe they're maybe they're personally even threatened by it. Right. You know, but for me, it's okay. You are where you are, and if. I am not able to respect mm-hmm. where that other Christian currently is right. in their walk with the Lord. Right. Then, and and I'm going to make it a, a source of contention, and I'm going to go after them for that. Right. That's not right. No, uh, that that's a matter of trying to win an argument, and lose a soul. Yeah. And you know, when we step off, so often we step off into this where we want to be right mm-hmm. more than we want to walk through it with a person. And, and you know, usually you just got to go, okay, uh, you win. Yeah. I mean, if that's where the argument is, you win. I, I can move on. And it's also demonstrating how you want to be treated. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. if, if I'm coming against someone else and I have a difference of opinion, from them, it's not my way or the highway. Right. You know, it's okay. You are in. You have a different opinion. Right. I can still respect you for that different opinion, and I can demonstrate that respect. Right. Because it is, we're we're not to be here studying the Bible in and of ourselves by ourselves. Right. Because that's when the devil wants to get in Absolutely. and kind of take that theology, and he's going to just twist it to his own means. Oh, without right? a doubt. He's, he's used the word of. He's used the word of God against Jesus Christ Himself. Right. You know when 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 yeah, Christ he was out. Yeah. When Christ when Christ was in the desert. You oh know, yeah. He used the word against Christ. So, you know, I don't want to demonstrate that because right. that is just unhealthy behavior. It's an unhealthy way to treat other Christians. Right. And we live in a culture today where you know it's very decisive it's either this or this right well, but that's and, not and, always how life is and if we disagree you must hate me yes or i have to hate or you i have to hate you yeah and and that uh we should be able to have discussions and disagreements mm-hmm. and be able to go yeah we're not going to get along on this one but and move okay. forward but you could still even be in a community together right you can still minister together you can minister to one another right just because you disagree on something doesn't mean you're going to disagree on everything. And it's not that's not a good reason to just hold it against somebody. Right. You know, I'll tell you a little thing that I figured out a long time ago, and I figured it out with a homeless person, is that I am not the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. And I approach everything that way. And the reason I say I'm not the smartest person in the room is because the Holy Spirit's the only smartest person in the room. And he can speak through anybody he decides, yeah. for starters. Secondly... When we approach things with everybody has something to teach me, and sometimes what they teach me is, I don't want to deal with this today, or I'm not ready for this argument, or little things to that effect. What happens is uh, we give the opportunity to step back from a situation, not be offended, Mm -hmm. which I don't think offense should be part of the Christian language either, by the way. We shouldn't be offended. And the reason we shouldn't be offended is because usually an offense means there's something wrong in us. It's not the other person. We're like, why is that, why is that ticking me off, man? Why I'm offended? Why, why am, am I? Why, why am, am I, I offended? At this, yeah. Right? Why am I getting all? It doesn't mean they're wrong or I'm wrong. Yeah. It means something has stirred me up here. What is it? And how can I address mm. it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so often when we see an offense, what happens is people completely back away. They leave churches on and on and on because they're offended. And you're like, well, what offended you? Well, you know, little Susie was wearing the wrong dress that day because it matched mine. And I really ticked me off. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. 
you know, or the pastor uh, didn't agree with my thought process or whatever. I mean, we just, we live in a very strange society right mm-hmm. now, you know, and that's, that's part of what we have to address as pastors. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So again, demonstrating, mm-hmm. you know, that, and it is, is it tough at times? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I've, I've had people just use use that against me right and and be they were using it because they themselves were hurting about something else right well megan i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you a little thing to put in the back of your brain you ready here it is if that's what they've gotten down to it means they couldn't find anything else so they went for the only thing they could see yep and that means that you you must have everything else ticking in. If that is the only thing that they can find, cool. You can learn to deal with that. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, you know we have we have um, uh, in especially in the NALC as we are watching this develop, even while we're here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm watching the politics play. I'm watching all these little things go on around me. I'm like, this is very interesting to watch all of this. But we're a community, exactly. Learning, and that is that we're is learning how to be community together. We're learning what this looks like. What does it look like now? Right for us in this place, right. for us in this time, absolutely and in this context, right. So, and when I, and when I say people are doing politics, they are they're not really coming with an agenda. What they're really looking is, what do we want to look like as the NALC? And they're when I say they're doing politics, they're they're asking questions. Mm-hmm. They're stepping around and they're seeing is this person on? Am I on the path with this group? And is this group on the path with what I feel where we need to go? Will they get us there in three years? Will they get us there in ten years? You know, so I'm watching and I'm listening to some of these conversations. Okay. Very, very interesting. So, poli- is, politics doesn't always mean bad things. <laughs> no, no, not necessarily. But when you are looking at a group of individuals right. who are trying to find their way right now. Absolutely. You know, and really take time to discern where is God calling us. Right. You know, it's it's not easy and you've you've got all these people in different walks of life right and well, that's why we need to jump on the gps you ever, what's do you know what a gps is what does it mean the global positioning system that's what you're thinking right well, yeah, but I'm thinking you're going to tie it into something. I God. am, I am, because okay, it, it's God, it? it's God's path to salvation, <laughs> the GPS. <laughs> so you know, part of what we're trying to do here is figure out what path He's got the whole church body on. Where are we in the kingdom? Absolutely, and one of the things is, is that when we're taking a look at all of these things, me being a newbie into some of this, mm-hmm. my first convocation. This is mine as well. And I, so I'm taking a look, and I'm like, okay, how does this play out? How do this? How mm-hmm. does this work? And you know, the one thing that I'm definitely seeing, and I'm curious about this, and there is a question at the tail end of this. But I, the one thing that I'm just curious is, um, just you know, when we're when we're taking a look at the direction of the overall body, uh, you have to realize that there are so many different collectives of people. The mm-hmm. people from Pennsylvania, where you're at, versus yep. the people from Wyoming, where I'm at. Absolutely. 
two completely different languages, for starters. The folks down in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a congregation down there that speaks three languages. Right, right. Let alone that what the only thing separating uh, you and me most days is English. (laughs) (laughs) Because we'll both say the same thing, and it means something completely different to the other person. Oh, like what? Oh, give you a classic example. Yesterday I came down south, right? Mm -hmm. I go out to dinner with my buddy. I love how you call this south. It, it, well, this is, well, it is south. It's, I live in Wyoming, in the Rocky Mountains. I come down here to the flatlands. Oh, it is flat. Yeah. Pen, it, this, is, this is really flat. Yeah. Pennsylvania's not like this at all. So when I come down here, I hear my buddy order a tea. Uh, he says, I need half and half. And I'm like, huh, okay. And then the other gal okay. says, I need half and half tea as well. And then my buddy, oh. other guy, goes, hey, I need an Arnold Palmer. And he goes, well, it's pink lemonade. And he goes, that's fine. I'll take an Arnold Palmer. And they bring him. And I'm like, okay, I can see that that one is an Arnold Palmer. I In Wyoming, that would be a half and half. Yes. Okay. Down here, it's half sweet tea, half non-sweet tea. And so when I even ordered a regular tea, he goes, you want regular tea? I said, yeah. And he brought it, and it was so stinking sweet. I was like, what in the heck is this? And he goes, it's tea, regular tea. And I said, you mean sweet tea? He goes, yeah, that, that's regular. Oh, did you want Will- non-regular tea? Here's some non-regular tea. Uh, you see what I mean? Language. So back home, we call them Arnold Palmers. Right. Right, but typically in an all <clears throat> In a Palmer, you're getting lemonade yeah. and tea. Right. Non-sweet tea. Yes. Right. Now, See, but down here, it's all at, different. At home, I would have to say half sweet, half unsweet. Right, right. And then they know what I'm talking about. Right, right. Or say Palmer. Right, right. Yeah. See, so they, but, that, that gets to be the language but thing. But here's the third. There's a, another variable. I'm ready. All right. Ready for this one? I'm ready. When somebody orders a hot tea. Mm-hmm. And then they want to put half and half creamer in it. Yeah, that's called English. <laughs> At home, we call that an English tea. An English tea? Yeah. Would you okay. like an English tea, man? Yes, of course. And they put a little cream in it. When it shows up, it's got already got cream. I'm like, what the heck is that? Yeah, <laughs> that that happens. That's an English. So, yeah, you know, it's language that separates yeah. us. We're all speaking the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting to watch this dynamic here work. Yeah. And how we're all working together. Because in all reality, all of us have an end goal, right? We have an end goal to bring people to Christ and to properly serve the church. I mean, yeah. that is our end goal. And uh, one thing that we definitely pick up from some of our teachers, like uh, Dr. Louie and um you know, when we have uh, Nathan Yoder up there speaking and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, we have some of the most brilliant minds I've ever met in my life up here speaking, yes. you know. Yeah. And they make fun of themselves because they are a little over brilliant. Sometimes they say things that everybody's like, well, let me Google that and see what the heck he just said. Man, doctor, <laughs> if you ever take a class with Dr. Louie, yeah. you have, yes, right? Yeah. So it, it's like, I, I say that the first day is always like drinking from a fire hose. Oh, yeah, without and a doubt. even for, you know, those of us who are farther along in seminary, right. you know, but it, I mean, you got me beat, right? Yeah, yeah but sure. But even, even some of the stuff, yeah. You're right. I, I, what did he just say? Yeah, what, what did he just mean? say? I'm telling you, it don't matter what you got for education. But, you're going to look some of this stuff up. So what he's talking about, though, is his his 
gifts. Right. He, he, that's his. That's really his gifts being shared with us. Absolutely. And Hot Rod Racers. Yeah. Yeah. That was a Mustang. That's a Mustang. That's he, Mustang. He's been driving around here all day. He has. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's like that is his wheelhouse. And then you get to talk to another pastor who's talking about cosmology and they're they're talking about the cosmos and creation and right. all of that. And then you know, then that's a whole area that I'm I'm looking up stuff, I'm learning stuff, I'm I'm going from there. Right. So, you know, yeah, sometimes and, any any one of them can can lose any one of us. Oh yeah, yeah, and and you know, a part of that is us g- gaining stuff that we can grasp and work with and uh, utilize later. I mean, uh, you know, uh, so let me ask you this: let's let's shift gears here a little bit. Yes, sir. When you are preaching, mm-hmm. how long do you take to prepare your sermons? Well, that's a that's a great question. I actually have been taking more time now right to to really dive in and and do my my research my study right. my pastoral study and it it depends on how familiar I am with the text mm-hmm. it depends on what I'm preaching on am I pe- preaching on the Old Testament am I preaching on the Psalms am I preaching on you know uh, St Paul's works right you know what am I what am I preaching on and and going from there? What? Who am I preaching to? Right. You know, if I know them, do they know what I'm? You know, am I? Am I? How am I bringing them along in the in the sermon? Right. So it, it's gonna it's gonna vary. I I would absolutely say that you know over the course of a week, I'm spending a good eight hours minimum. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm also newer to this. Right. You know, so as I'm spending more time than, you know, studying even, you know, parts of Scripture where there's things get a little theologically weedy. Right. You know, where we... Oh, can, yeah, we yeah. Can we possibly, get out in the bush. We, yeah. We we can possibly be led astray mm-hmm. by some commentaries. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm doing my work. So I'm even doing my pre-work, you know, what's going on in the text beforehand what's mm-hmm. going on after what's the big picture here mm-hmm. what what's being said in the original languages is there any nuances that i i'm picking up on how is the text speaking to me but it's also that prayer that right. comes along so you know time varies on the on these things but again it's who am i preaching to what what does god want these people in this place, right. in this time, and in this congregation to hear. What yeah. does he need them to hear? And his use of me to say it to them. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. So, what about you? Oh, how long do I spend? Yeah. I'd be lucky sometimes if I read the scripture but from the pulpit and went, all right, this is where we're going with this. <laughs> So you're just preaching off the cuff? I, I do it all the time. Yeah. I've tried to write sermons. I actually, uh, Amy Little, uh, the general secretary, one time she said, Hey, Bert, I need you to send me a couple of your sermons. I said, Great. How do you want me to send them? All your written ones will be fine. I said, I ain't written a sermon in 15 years, but uh, I can write one for you. Mm-hmm. She said, Why don't you just send me one? 
audio. I said, not a problem. So I sent it out to her, and she goes, you do that without reading anything off the page? I said, yeah, because that's what God had to say that day, so that's what we did. Most of the time, I do, it all depends. Now, I do spend time functioning in the Word 99% of the time beforehand. Mm-hmm. And what I'll do is we have a really great dean where we, uh, at the ministerium, uh, we are all on a Zoom meeting together, so we all discuss these things, mm-hmm. right? And that usually happens every Tuesday. And a lot of times, that's the only time that I have for it. Because I got school, I got a billion other things going with people. So, and besides that, I usually try to pick it up again. And I utilize it when I'm teaching at the mission. Because I I teach uh, Bible 101 down at the mission. Okay. Uh, A lot of times I'm at, well, I'm every week. uh, Thursday night, I'm in the jail until 11 p.m. So I'll find a time to utilize it then as well. And then uh, usually on Saturday, every other Saturday, I'm at the prison preaching. So I'll use time to gather some information at that time, too. So through conversation and pastoral care and ministry, you are actually in that scripture all week long. And I have also found that, you know, in pastoral care... Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times where, you know, you're doing visitations. Right. You know, that's Sunday scripture coming up. A lot of times in those visitations is where God starts giving nope. you. Without a doubt. Everything. My congregation is starting to learn a few things about me. And it's it's pretty interesting to watch. My wife kind of chuckles because she's watched this for a long time. Is what will happen is when I look up, I'm reading something. And what will happen? That's how things. Uh, that's how things function in my brain. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'll be looking up, and the text will be laid out there in front of me. Like if I'm going, I need to look this up. In my Bible, give me a second. I'm literally flipping pages in my brain, and I'll go right to where the text is. Oh, it's yeah. at the top left hand side. Boom! There it is, sitting in front of me, and I and I just start repeating what Photographic I'm reading. Photographic memory, right? Yeah. So that's how that one part mm-hmm. works. The other part works where they, now they will always go, that's pretty cool that he can do that, right? But where it it becomes interesting is when they see me start looking down and I'm looking at a movie and what God will show me sometimes with things, he'll start playing a movie out in front of me. So what happens is I just start describing to you basically what I'm seeing and that's how it kind of gets laid out. And when it's all set, that's when they, you see them start taking out pen and paper and writing because they're like, he doesn't know what this is either. He's seeing it for the first time too. And that happens on a very regular basis to where I usually go back and listen to my sermon a little bit or I talk to Christy and say, hey, what, how was that? And she goes, that was very good. Where were you going with this? I'm like, I don't know, let's find out. So, you know, I kind of look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, this is where we're at. And I'll give you a classic example of <clears throat> I had had a Sunday that I knew what I was going to preach absolutely knew what I was going to preach. And I had um, don, I had two doctors come in, two mm-hmm. PhDs, uh, Dr. Janie Keeney and Dr. Don Hinton. And because I knew I was going to preach something, and I had looked, I had researched, I had looked and looked and looked and looked, and I could not find anyone else had preached on this. And I said, hey, I'm going to preach something new. And when I'm done preaching it, I need critiqued. I, uh, when we're done with this, I'm going to write it, and then I'm going to submit it to the college I went to. Okay. 
And uh, part of that was because uh, the way that the information was coming to me, I was like, wait a minute, this makes complete sense. I can't believe no one else has preached on this. And I looked, I hunted. And what it was was on Bartimaeus. Okay. And in the book of Mark, when you have Bartimaeus, um, you, you, it's a very specific story. Mm-hmm. It's the last person that Jesus heals before he goes to the cross. But it's not his last miracle. He does one more miracle before he goes to the cross. Of course, that's all miracles in themselves. I'm not saying anything different. But what ends up happening is he's got a blind man who is clothed in rags. His name is Bar Timaeus, the son of honor. And he starts calling. He calls out to God. And he keeps saying, son of David, son of David. And everybody tells him, shut up. Yes. Nope, he gets louder, right? So what happens is while I'm preaching this, now I, I have a different sermon in mind that okay. I'm going to preach. And all of a sudden, God starts showing me this movie. And he shows me Adam hiding from God. Adam didn't call out to God. He hid from him. He did. And Adam's eyes flew open and he could no longer see God. And these guys were closed. And he was calling for God. Mm-hmm. Adam hid himself and covered himself. Bartimaeus stood up and undressed himself and came before God. Adam never, ever saw God again. He heard his voice. He never saw him again. But Bartimaeus did. But Bartimaeus, when he was healed, his eyes opened to see the Creator standing in front of Amen. him. Are you with me? Now, the next thing that happens is they go to a place called Bethany. Now, Bethany means a place of suffering or a place of pain. Yes. And that is the name of the place, right? Because that's what happened to man. You are going to, the earth is going to suffer because of what you've done. Mm-hmm. So they had to leave the garden. They went to a Bethany, so to speak, out into the world, right? Because now they had to toil by the sweat of their brow. Is this all making sense? And all of a sudden, there is a tree that is producing no fruit, and it happens to be a fig tree. So when they get by this fig tree, and Jesus sees that it has no fruit that anybody should eat, has no fruit, he curses it. Yes, he does. The next morning, he gets up, and that tree is withered and dying. He says, no one will ever eat from you again. What did Adam cover himself with? Fig Fig leaves. leaves. And the fruit of the fig tree was nothing more than shame and guilt. Are you with me? And then Jesus goes across. So he shows us in that moment what he's about to do. Are you with me? He shows us in that moment. I am going to restore your eyes to where you can see God. I am going to take you to a point where you're not afraid to be naked before me. I am going to take Mm. you to a point where you no longer are going to eat of the fruit of a tree that produced nothing for you. And I'm going to go to the tree of life and produce everything for you. That's what I preached that day. Wow. That's so that's so what I powerful. <laughs> so, so powerful. So that's what I sold to Amy, sent to Amy, and she goes, yeah, yeah, that, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, when that is the way, but see, God shows me that in a movie. You, you follow? Mm-hmm. And so when I start preaching that stuff, that's just how it flows out of me. 
And and that's the Holy Spirit. He's, Absolutely. He's empowering us. He's enlightening us. Absolutely. He's, he's, you know, basically leading us. Right. To where, you know, okay, this is, you know, what, what God wants. Right. You know? He, right. Yeah, that, that's one of those stories that I constantly am trying to share with people because that is, that is one of those important messages. Wow, brother. Yeah. So I, I, I write my sermons out. Yeah. You know, and there's times where I'll do bullets, bullet points just right, to right. help me keep on track. But there are also times where I've been, in, I've been preaching in the pulpit and right. just take a, a, a different direction. Right. I tend to come back, but, you know, I... I so let me ask you. Yeah, I always try to come back, too, unless I'm way on a bad rabbit trail. And, and the uh, I have an old guy. His name is Alan. He'll be listening to this right now. He does the bang to kill the rabbit chase <laughs> from the audience. Bang. <laughs> You're gone too far, bro. <laughs> okay. So... You know, here's a part of the other thing that I, I would ask you is that when you go through this and you're, you're, you're looking at these things and you're doing them, uh, you know, one thing I would say is that that is how God also reveals to most pastors that when they're going through that quiet time and they're looking and they're writing their sermons, that's when they're truly spending some one-on-one time with God. I always find that very amazing. I wish I could write sermons. I really do. You ask Christy, I'm very jealous of people most times that that are brilliant writers, and I I watch them read them. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. I Uh wish I could do that. And she's like, you could never do that on a bet. I just, it's not the way I'm wired. Yeah, you that that's a total gift that you have that you're that you're able to do that. Well, but you know, there's there's a ton of things that that all of us are gifted in a little different area for the group we're with, right? Mm-hmm. That's why one of the things you're doing is as you're looking, which group am I going to best serve, right? Yeah. That's what you're saying. Exactly. So let me ask you one more thing. Do you ever do you just hang out in the pulpit when you preach? No. Do you leave the pulpit? Yeah. So fill me in. Oh, we got a nice Harley running down there somewhere. Yeah. It's a whole purring down there. It is. It makes me miss my motorcycle. So anyway, it's almost there. I mean, I'm almost done building. Let's not talk about motorcycles. Rabbit trail. Okay. So quick. So you leave the pulpit. Mm Mm-hmm. So fill me in. There's times where I, you know, don't even begin preaching in the pulpit. Mm -hmm. I'm down on the floor with the people mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down with the people praise god i, and, I love that because i do I, that too i i like to move i mm-hmm. express myself as, yep. you know me my, yep. my hands yep. are you going and, yeah you and me are the same kind of person I'm, I'm we animated. are very active but at the same time you know i am i'm a human being right i'm a sinner yeah, amen i am no better than anybody else amen this just happens to be the vocation that I'm called to. Right. Other people in my congregation are called to be doctors, nurses, even the garbage man. Right, right, right. And all that is a calling. Equally, all equally important. People Absolutely. With their, with their different roles. So, you know, leaving the pulpit, I, I'm I'm with them. And for me, it also allows me to be truly authentic. Right. You know, because... I, I can express myself as a Christian. I can talk about 
my Christian struggles. Right. You know, and maybe someone else out there is also having the same things. And and it's how is what am I preaching affecting me too? Because what I preach also hits me Absolutely. every single week. You I know, get it. and and Luther called that unfecting. Right. You know, we're suffering the cross. Right. We're 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 not going around the cross. We are being put through the cross. Absolutely. So, you know, it's it's hitting us too. Right. And so, you know, certain times, like especially during Lent, right. you know, I I'm I'm being repented by the word. Right. And I'm right there with my people. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm kneeling at the rail with them too. Absolutely. So. You know, one one of the uh, last year what I did is I had uh, a different album made for me out of sackcloth. Awesome. So for Lent. And so I I stayed in that all through all of Lent so that when Easter came, it really made a big change. And I got to tell you, when I put on my white alb, it felt weird. I felt, am I even worthy to put this on? Because I'd been in sackcloth for so long. You, you, you follow what I mean? You had been like, oh, but I'm celebrating what he has done for us. But you start to realize that that whole time, uh, when you spend time in sackcloth, when you spend time in ashes and stuff to that effect, our religion is just, our, our faith, the faith that we have built around this has just been incredible for me. I mean, I, I don't come out of a Lutheran background. Do you come out of a Lutheran background? I do not. I what did you come out of a Roman Catholic background. Roman Catholic. Yes. Okay, very high church. And I am the only Lutheran mm-hmm. in my immediate family, well, other than my children, of course. Like, I brought them up in the Lutheran church, but I am the only Lutheran in the whole family, Yeah, and I lovingly am called the heretic. I bet you are. <laughs> now, I also have family members who are Roman Catholic priests yeah. and, you know, Catholic nuns. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. It is very cool, and uh, the so uh, here in my last few minutes of the show, give me some advice to give a young lady, because one thing I had Sierra come and preach at our, my church while I was gone, mm-hmm. uh, a Pastor Sierra, and I had her come and preach for a specific reason, is because they hadn't had a woman preach in that church in quite some time. I mean, they've had, we've had a couple of ladies that have got up and spoke and got up, and I do have one pastor uh, that she, she does speak there on occasion. But I needed them to see one that could give communion the whole night, like a Lutheran mm-hmm. pastor, and she uh, got up and did a magnificent job. And the reason I wanted to do that my church was like, well, we got plenty of people to preach. I said, no, nah, I, I, we want the young ladies to see that this is a possibility. Yeah. I need them to see somebody fully doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that she puts on the house, she puts on the office, she goes up there, she says the prayer, she does all the stuff. It isn't a half and half situation like I see a lot of times. Right. That she was totally dedicated into it. So what would be your advice to a young lady that says, you know, I think God is starting to call me to this? Mm-hmm. Wow, it's, so that's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I didn't really grow up seeing women do this. Right. So every time that I have, going back to our original conversation here at the beginning and top of the hour. Right. You know. 
every time someone has used scripture negatively, right. you know, toward women in a position of authority in the church, look at how many other places in scripture women were the first ones to know about the coming of the Lord. Amen. Okay. They were right there ministering. Mm-hmm. Whole, their whole households were being baptized. Absolutely. They were the first ones to know mm-hmm. about Christ's resurrection. Right. And they were the ones who were told, go tell the other disciples. Right. So right there, they, were, they received the command mm-hmm. to share the gospel. Right. Christ yeah. is risen. Absolutely. He, he, he did what he said he was going to do, and right. he's done it for all of us. And they were sent with authority. Yes. I just want to point that out. Because a part of the deal is, is they go, yeah, they, they came and gave a message. Mm-hmm. And no, no, they were sent with the authority, authority. to reveal yes. the risen Lord. So even there, there may be a few, just a few, like what, three, three lines of scripture right. that speak in a negative position right. toward a group of women in a very specific time, mm-hmm. specific context, mm-hmm. because some some bad people were out there deceiving them. Yeah, absolutely. And but for those few, mm-hmm. there's three times more. Oh yeah, at least. And especially you go to the Old Testament, we have Ruth. Yeah, absolutely, she was a judge. Judged all of Israel. So yes. you can't tell us Israel never ever had a woman leader because they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Esther. Oh. She saved the entire nation of Israel. She did. I mean, we can start, you know, I, real honestly, you can start yes. walking down through there. And there are, uh, in the uh, in the book of Acts, there are women referred to as prophetesses. Yes. And the other thing to remember is when we read Paul's writings in the book of Timothy, Mm. uh, he says, like your grandmother and your mother. Yes. You know what I mean? Because they're running a house church. Yes. And going then in... Hold on just one second. Okay, go. But also in Timothy, there are examples given where the older women... Yeah are charged with going ahead and helping the younger women. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. So for me, that is a role where I now can step into a position of authority. Absolutely. Identified and called by the church. Absolutely. And so that those other young women then can see someone that they can relate to Mm -hmm. in certain ways. Right. Doing the same thing. That's awesome. Well, hey, I want to just say thank you for being on uh, here. You're welcome. It was great. I am. And yeah, I hope it, I hope all the sound on this thing comes out okay. And if it doesn't, everybody, this will be like one of those crazy episodes that we do once in a while. So I just want to say, Megan, I want you to really, really hear what I'm saying here. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Jesus loves you, and I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do to stop us. For questions or comments, please email us at info at the barbarianprophet.com.
The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. One more thing that I always like to drop here at the end is don't forget, you need to be in a local church. You want to know why? It's because your local church needs you too. And I just want to tell you, Jesus truly does love you. And I truly do love you. And there's absolutely nothing you're ever going to be able to do, say, or think that will change our minds. God bless you and see you next time, Barbarian Nation.